Welcome to the very first episode of Big Blend Radio's brand new podcast, Women Making History. We're very excited about this. You're going to hear all about it in this podcast uh, coming up. But know that every time we do this show, we dig into the vault or it's a show that is currently happening on this day. And today's show is part of our Toast to the Arts and Park show that we do every first Friday with Tanya Ortega and the National Parks Arts Foundation, where we interview artists. Today, we focus on her because she's a brilliant woman. She's amazing. She founded the National Parks Arts Foundation. She helps artists and she's an amazing photographer. You're going to hear all about it. You're going to hear all about this show, but we're very excited to come to you every single day. So please subscribe, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, whatever podcast platform, even BigBlendRadio.com is our main one. So subscribe, listen to your daily dose of womanhood, of how we can grow, be stronger, be happier. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's first Friday Toast to the Arts and Park show with the National Parks Arts Foundation, who are known for their amazing artist residencies in parks across the country. Well, Tanya Ortega is a photographer and the founder of the National Parks Arts Association, the only nationwide resource for artist residences and workshops in the national parks. And Tanya is back on Big Blend Radio today, not only to talk about NPAF, the National Parks Arts Foundation, um, Association, the Foundation, I'll get it straight, uh, but also to give us the inside scoop on her career as a photographer, which is really interesting. And uh, her work is going to be featured in Big Blend Radio and TV magazine for the spring issue. And uh, you can go to blendradioandtv.com, where you'll also see her expert profile page. And to learn more about the National Parks Arts Foundation, go to N- uh, nationalparksartsfoundation.org. Tanya, how are you? I'm great. Uh, how are you? You sound doing good. Like doing over there good. in Arizona, you guys are doing well. Yeah, yeah, we're hanging in there. We got cloudy <laughs> skies, you know, but um, we do have margaritas. It's Friday. Would you like one? <laughs> yes, I need one. I really do I right bet. now. I know, I know. It's Friday. It's Friday. Uh, listen, Tanya. Let's. I know we. You've been on the show for, for a year. Check it out. And um, oh my gosh, about, I've really matured in this last year, though. I really have. Well, I'm kidding. You went from cupcake to big cake. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like cupcakes and margaritas are sounding better and better now that I'm thinking of it. Um, you know, you've been on the shows talking about the National Parks Arts Foundation, which is incredible. So I want to touch on that, but we want to talk. We want to know about you. It's your turn. We want to hear about your photography career. But um, give everybody an overview about the National Parks Arts Foundation because um, I know that there's deadlines, so we need to get to that right away, that there's deadlines for artists to get their their work submitted to go stay in a park for a month, right? Uh, yes, I have some exciting news. Um April 20th is the next deadline, and that is for those are for the 2018 program. So for all the 2017 mm. just finally closed yesterday, and 2018 we're having such a quick deadline. We really don't have wow. time to advertise that much for it. I'm a little nervous because um, we have hardly any applicants because nobody knew that the de- that the deadline was going to be this quick. 
Um, so, you know, usually we have a year sort of to let people trickle in and apply, but, um, this is going to be wow. very speedy and we're pretty lucky because as you know, a lot of the, um, the national parks and that kind of thing is, um, they're, they're being restricted a little bit right now. They're having to be a little more mm. conservative and I don't mean that in a political sense, um, but conservative in the original sense, uh, right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, when they told us that, we said, well, this is the perfect time to actually expand our programs. And they agreed. The National Park Service actually agreed. So wow. we are expanding. Um, so anyway, um, to focus on the deadline, it's April 20th for most of our programs. We are, and there's a 2017 left. We have recently just a few days ago, partnered with the Poetry Foundation, which is the biggest, um, as far as I know, um, they're just a fantastic group of people in Chicago. And um, so we are partnering with them. And September, October in Gettysburg, the, this is really exciting, actually, the person, the poet who is picked for that, um, or, you know, spoken word, different things, it's a, it's a category called literati art so that's literature audio um and Mm. poetry of course poetry focusing on on poetry spoken word lyrics that kind of thing um we are integrating into that program at least two if not three or more depending on the funding um public engagements for the artist in residence we're going to have one in D.C., probably one in Manhattan. Uh, wow. The artist gets gets a full-paid trip to Chicago to go to the Poetry Foundation and have a public engagement at the Poetry Foundation. So it's a really oh big my deal. Gosh. I'm very excited. Wow. Yeah. We, yeah, and the, the, the Poetry Foundation is great, and they're, they mm. are just ensuring um, – that uh, that that we're able to you know advertise widely and get somebody that's going to be able to do that, but it's an automatic, it's like um, an automatic sort of touring schedule. You you have everything just already packaged for you. Wow! That's, to become a famous really poet. Awesome. <laughs> no, but it's you know what I really really have a I, I'm I'm strong on this. It's something that the Poetry gets left out of the the realm all the time in in the arts, and it's very hard to make it as a poet, you know. But then you look at people like Maya Angelou, and you look at these. I mean, poetry. Where would we be without poetry? And it's so important. And so the Chicago, they are really, I, as far as I know, too, the biggest. Um, a lot of the poetry slams were started out in Chicago through them, and it's it's interesting how poetry has become this performance art or you can read it quietly in, in a you know on a rainy day with a cup of tea or wine <laughs> but it's become something a movement and without poetry where would hip hop be you know it's interesting and rap i mean it's all connected into yeah, one exactly. thing yeah exactly yeah exactly awesome. and that's why the category for literati arts <clears throat> excuse me it, you know it automatically extends or actually is inherent with poetry already built in it and so we're hoping to get a poet that will, um, you know, go to Gettysburg, look at Gettysburg, be inspired, as everybody always is, you know, do the residency there and be able to um, 
you know, be able to take their inspiration through poetry to Chicago, oh to my D.C., gosh. to New I've York. I see another Hamilton coming yeah. out of Gettysburg. I know. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. We're ready for that person. Who is that person we want you? <laughs> so. Dude. I'm oh, sorry. I know you're not dude, but, you know, just say it. So, Tanya, I know. It's- let's. You know, you're, you're a photographer. You've traveled the world, literally. Reading through your bio, Nancy and I are like, dude, we need to get We're on an like, airplane. Whoa. We need to travel some more. I'm scared to talk to well, you now. Well, you know, I remember the first time talking to Tanya, and she was like, here, there, everywhere, you know. Uh, now she lives in Hawaii. But what what is interesting to me, you've traveled the world. You're a photographer, a successful photographer, and I can't wait to talk about some of your photos. But, you know, what was it that got you into hey, let's create National Parks, you know, Artists in Residence programs. Because I know you did oh. a lot of Artists in Residence programs, but what, what got you started? Well, when I was a teenager, when I was 17, I worked in Yellowstone with Youth Conservation mm-hmm. Corps. So that was like, you know, a million years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's just say around 30 and not be specific about it. Um so I was able to very early on see the, um, you know, the Moran paintings that started mm. the Park Service. Oh. Um, mm. And yeah. so what happened was Moran was sent out there uh, with a photography buddy of his. And Moran's brother was a photographer, by the way, so not a lot of people know that. Um, so he was sent out to Yellowstone to basically, you know, chart the territory in an aesthetic fashion rather than just being, you know, a cartographer. Not that that's not important, but um, he took his uh, watercolor sketches back to Congress. They showed him to Congress and they said, this place is gorgeous. Let's make the National Park Service. So I was lucky to see those paintings to find out about this history the greatest thing in our country that we can really show off about the National Park Service um, at a really young age and really see it be there, be a teenager on the ground working very hard, in fact, um, with practically volunteer work with under uh, the superintendent, uh, Stephen Sorrell was his name. Um, oh, yeah. And, and um so he retired, I think, three years ago, four years ago. But um, anyway, I, I could I could see the paintings, know about the paintings, know about the history, and actually be at the sites that Moran was. And so that kind of started my addiction to the National Park Service. Mm, <laughs> so wow. And, we and understand. And understanding <laughs> the role of the arts. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, Thomas Moran and, and um, you know, is it Albert Beer's thought that, mm. that I've suddenly got into his work, and I just I feel like he's got this light and, and amazement, like in the work. And this, the, what's interesting, you know, when you think about this work from way back when, how it still is prominent now, and it's still part of our culture. And and they showcased, you know, these parks at, you know, when you like go to Mount Rainier or something, you know, a place like that, or Yellowstone. I haven't done Yellowstone yet, but I can talk about Mount Rainier. Every time you turn and look at the mountain, there's a different it's thing. Different. You, mm-hmm. you know, and I look at all the footage I've taken of that. Mount Rainier can also be this really creepy place. Like, it's like trippy, <laughs> you know, depending on what, you, what you're looking at. But it changes, like, every second. And I think what is amazing about these artists back then, mm-hmm. we were just talking about how, you know, the tools have changed. And uh, mm-hmm. something I want to talk to you about, too, with photography, but back then, they were kind of limited in what they had to create with. 
and even transporting the art across to Congress. I mean, going across the country, basically, with their art. So I find it interesting how their work is still prominent today, and it should be and is, but how they were able to capture these different feelings of what nature does. You know, it, it's amazing to me, that movement. So I think it's It's cool. true. You hit on a lot of good points here. That's, that, those are the tools that they had then, you know, and they were just starting photography then. So that wasn't, photography still wasn't, I mean, Moran showed Congress paintings, not right. photographs, um, because that is what the, um, the sort of the mores of Congress was, you know, into painting, basically. Photography hadn't even been considered an art form at that point. So um, right now, if you fast forward to contemporary time right now, here's what we're kind of looking at. What are the, how can we look into the future? How can we be incredibly psychic about the future um, and say, what are people going to be thinking of what we do now? How are we going to carry right now into the future, echoing the presence of the national parks, the importance of preservation? And I know it, it. I know people have been saying it for 40 years, but right now, a very important mm-hmm. part of that, our new tool, is new media, virtual reality, um, mm-hmm. HR, all of these things. That those are the new tools. That's what in a hundred years from now they're going to be saying. Oh, yes, they preserved this park through through virtual reality. Of course, in the future it's going to seem like a classic mode of art that is happening right mm-hmm. now because it is. Um, in fact, um, I have to just quickly tell you what I'm looking at. By the way. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to give you guys a visual of of my actual phys- physical location. Um, but first, I'll say that you know, as you know, I'm in Honolulu and the USS Arizona, over there at Pearl Harbor, they have integrated virtual reality into the into the park. Um, right. In a great way. We are doing it at Gettysburg. Um, we need some people at Gettysburg to really just focus on that. It's hard to find virtual reality HR people. Uh, it's a very, very small group. Um, in fact, Vive is one of the most amazing things that I know of, and I would love to be able to bring that to Gettysburg and retell the story. Anyway, here at USS Arizona, they have they – have, um, Something that's happening, I mean, just Google it basically and look at how they're integrating that artistic media in an artistic way um, to show the park to people around the world, students, Mm -hmm. um, in an aesthetic way. But the reason I have to tell you where I am, because, yes, I'm in Honolulu, but right now I am at the East West Center on the University of Hawaii campus. So tell me if there's too much noise in the background. There's a lot of stuff going on. You heard a little bit, but right um, now you're fine. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, let me know. The East-West Center is an amazing place in the U of H campus. It was created to bring a bunch of different cultures together in education um, and art. They have an incredible art collection and a beautiful gallery. But I'm on the 13th floor. I'm looking out Mm -hmm. over the entirety of Honolulu, Waikiki, and Diamond Head in the distance. 
and it's just a gorgeous day here. Um, but the reason I had to tell you where I am is so that I give you when I say, oh, down the street at the USS Arizona, it actually is down the street. <laughs> I'm not wow. just making that up. So. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's just basically bragging is what yeah. she's doing. So next time, next time we do this, we're going to run over to the U of A campus <laughs> where they have beautiful gardens in the southwest historical museum but uh, no i'm just kidding but but it is beautiful out there and and, the, and i think there is some like even how we are able to do radio shows is different than what was being done years ago you know it's like it's amazing how technology has changed but now let's talk about photography and how that has changed too because now look how you know we've gone from film we've gone from those box cameras to you know to you know the way we've got film and then now digital and now everybody on their phones with their with taking cameras, you know, taking photos with their phones, and the 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 age of the selfie, and I watch people like if someone looks at a, a, a photograph, and and I have to I this I I'm sorry, but this is rude to me, but it's not, I suppose. <laughs> They'll look at a photograph if they like a photograph I've taken. There's this percentage of people go, oh, you've got a great camera, and I go. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't even, I can't even answer it because I don't care how good your camera is. If you don't know certain things, it ain't gonna happen. I'm that, just saying because I've seen, I'm tired of it. That, that is so common. I mean, even even when I did my art tour and selling paintings, I painted in public, which is probably one of the worst things you could ever possibly think of doing. It sucks. It's just so hard. Welcome to the rant show, by yeah, the way. No, because. You have to listen to the people who you you hope they admire your work, but then every single thing you do is a comment about it, you know, and you and and um, trying to not be involved with their comments becomes pretty hard, oh. you know. And it'll be like what Nancy, kind of paintbrush is that? Yes. <laughs> tell the story about the fox painting, the fox in the snow, or whatever that was. Oh, the wolf. I love that story. Yeah. In the, the wolf. No, no, I mean, so I have this audience of people, and, and I'm in a supermarket of all places. Well, this you know, is just raising money for the Cancer Association. Yeah. This is a fundraising so, I mean, tour. High-class tour. No, so I'm in a supermarket, which was really funny. Which and is part of a mall just I, in South Africa. No, it's fun. It was fun, and definitely you had an audience, and they weren't used to seeing artists painting live and so people grouped around and there were so many people I was like oh my gosh and so you have a blank canvas right and I ha I saw I have my little sketch and I'm sketching the wolves and all that and people kept coming back and the crowd was getting bigger and then I'm painting and I'm painting and you could hear oohs and ahs and they were they were amazed it was the palette knife yeah and then I I'm almost done with this painting and I took my palette knife and I did a little of snow like where the wolf was kind of stomping his foot down and everyone's like oh oh so then I went dude that was fun so I did it again and again and again and again and again and then all of a sudden my wolves were gone and all I had was big swipes of snow I, know. I was like what happened to but my painting but that's, but that's the the demonstration thing is funny in people's it was perception. So funny and people were clapping. I was like, dude, really? <laughs> but see, but the thing is that shows the the power of people actually being able to see an art and work. Like you know, people buy an apple, but they don't know what an apple tree looks like. It's the same kind of thing. So it's positive. But I want to go back to this thing where people think 
a good photo comes from because of your camera. And I'm in this birding group on Facebook. Some guy took this awesome hawk shot, and the guy goes, great shot, what lens and what filter are you using, and all blah, blah. And I'm yeah. like, dude, why can't you just like the damn photo? So and they're not because they <laughs> think they can do what you did. So, Tanya, what, for you as a photographer, I mean, what do you think about where we're at with all this technology <laughs> for for <laughs> I love I love I love where this is going by the way because I'm hypercritical about it um because I just personally hate change um you know I really do and and um that's just who I am and I'm always struggling with it um because I love these these things that are happening but it and you know all of this these new tools at the same time I think I'm just mm. You know, I just, uh, anyway, my take on yeah. it is I love it too when people say to me, oh, you're a photographer. Don't you feel like you're, you're um, artistic? You know, they don't know the word media, of course. Don't you feel like your artistic media is is over because there's so many great photographers now, uh, you know, with all these digital cameras? And and I'm, I'm actually of the and I think we can all agree on this is you look around and you see a gazillion photos out there everywhere social media everywhere even advertising and the quality oh, the quality has gone just, way down. no <laughs> kidding flooded. yes just, there's so much more but the quality is is everybody thinks they're a photographer or you know whatever videographer cinematographer and it's been mm-hmm. flooded. It has uh, basically yeah. the media, the art media has jumped the shark because it's been flooded. So, in fact, it works in the opposite than these people say way because those really good artists really shine. And I think it's really funny about what you say about our photographers, especially who say, "Oh, what mm-hmm. camera are you using? What lens yeah. are you?" You know, this kind yeah. of thing. That has nothing to do with great photography. It That is the technical aspect of photography. That is not the creative aspect of photography. Yeah. You have to balance both. Yeah, it, I mean, that's it, my hard part is I have a damn clue what my camera does, and I just want it. To me, it's about the composition of it, to me. Well, it's lighting. It's, oh, you yeah. know, it's lighting. It's composition. It's, you do have to learn your camera. Um, you know, it's in getting down. <laughs> getting down on your get stomach. You know, either get up high, get down. Yeah, I think drone photography is very, very interesting. Yeah, that's becoming a Do, new thing. Drone? But is that what you said? Or drone? Drone. drone. Did you say yeah. drone or drone? Drone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is, it is good. But uh, like what you were saying with the, um, you know, what you can do with a camera. The things you can do with a camera uh, with the shot of the eagle. Wow, the eagle can be, uh, you know, in focus in the foreground. It can be pulled. You can push to get the, you know, the depth of field. All of those things, by the way, let's think about what we saw in the 80s. The things we remember in the 80s about photography. I'll tell you what I remember. I remember a lot of backlighting. I remember mm-hmm. a lot of smoke machine type stuff. I remember mm-hmm. a lot of zooms. Everything was zoom. Um, I, I remember, you know, like these specific things, those are the trends. Those are the trends. Yeah. So when we're talking about like drones or um, these, these various things that cameras can do, for instance, here's a good one that's pretty contemporary. Mm-hmm. 
you take a box camera and you make everything, you take the depth of field and you, you, you put the depth of field um, at a very shallow area. So it looks mm-hmm. like, and I, I, it'll take a little bit of thinking, but I know you'll remember this just even from five years ago. It looks like a photograph of, let's say, a city street scene is in miniature. So yes. yeah. It's it's yeah. it's a it's a trick. It's a it's a it's something that won't last. Mm-hmm. It's a fad. It's a trick. It's intriguing to people that you know, the first time you see it's a novelty. You see it and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's so great And then everybody copies it and you see it and then thirty years from now we can mark this period of time for street scenes that look <laughs> like miniature scenes. <laughs> it's true. Like, Midget photography. No, as soon as everybody does it, it's lost its impact. But that's and that's but that's with anything music. They flood yeah. the market with doof doof, and you know what I mean. Doof doof. Like pop doof doof. That's the eighties for sure. Yeah, I, I totally went there, and I'm like, my, my now my fashion's just the fashion. I can tell the song is in the eighties when it starts with that. Doof doof. Yeah, doof, and doof. plastic shoes and plastic jewelry and plastic. What the heck Remember was the, that? The, the furniture that chairs made look, looking no. like platforms. No. No, stop, stop. But some of it was fun. Some of it was cool. There was fun, fun stuff, but then as a photographer, for you, when you go out and you do a shoot or you're doing photographs, looking at your photos um, that you sent us will be in the magazine, um, man, you got some interesting stuff going, but you also have this capture those. We were talking with Victoria Chick, the artist, about her. She's a contemporary. Where you, it, we forget the movements we make as human beings. You know, It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to see this. Oh, from here to here, you were about to do something. What was that? So you have this question in your brain. What was that person going to do? Um, so when you're photographing, when you do you plan it or do you go out, let it be spontaneous? Um, what because you've got things like you've got the stairs, uh, the burning stairs with the ash and the, you. It's all architectural and and fascinating. Did you plan that? You want to go that and, and photograph, or did you see and say, "Ooh, I see something." That's a really good question. Um, first, to comment on Victoria's great art, the wonderful thing I noticed about her pieces is she does have that movement, and she le- mm. she creates and doesn't end like a narrative that goes with yeah. her photography, which is really nice because it it lets the viewer like complete the story in a way, and then question it and be like, wait, that's not the story. I just made that up in my head. Anyway. Um, I, that's what's mm. really good about her, her work mm-hmm. um, is the is the narrative and and not not completing the narrative, letting the viewer be able to 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 exercise their creativity um, in visual as well as you know just just um, sort of the story form. Um, mm-hmm. To answer your question, so the architecture thing um, that. I have been doing, taking architectural photography for over 30 years, 30 years. Hmm. Um, And that I can honestly say is sort of an obsession. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know when that will end. And I keep thinking that it's going to, because it seems like that's an awfully long time. Um, especially for somebody who isn't an architect in the least. Um, so when I take these photos, I can't remember which ones we sent to you. 
um, you, you said the, the general staircase, and yeah, and, and you sent also the glass cascade, which was like an empty grocery store, like looked from the seventies or something, with nothing in the glass cases. You know, where you'd buy your milk or whatever, and oh, it's yeah. like dairy yeah. produce. That and to me, that tripped me out because it almost looked like a subway area. Um, it just you, <laughs> but you're capturing time. Like when I'm looking at these images, you're capturing time, but there's also something about architecture. Just you know, for we do a lot of that with the towns that we go to. I get into it because there's something about who did this. You know, there's this. We've seen the most an, it, beautiful It's about buildings. the era. And it's about like the art that it's almost like jumping into the artist's mind because I think an architecture, an architect is an artist too, you know. So I think you're Absolutely. it's almost like jumping into their mind and then jumping into that time bubble. If it, would you say that's for you too? It is definitely. And on top of that, there's kind of you know the beauty of decay. Mm-hmm. And thermodynamics, the, hmm. the the difference of architectural photography. Um, people, you know, generally take photos of new buildings, shiny, bright, new, great lighting, that kind of thing. I prefer sort of the desolation, abandon, um, and and it's really kind of funny because. Um, I, if you guys have Glass Cascade, the one with the uh, mm-hmm. with the marble, with the um, so that one was actually taken. That's really that's that's very old. That's in Cuba, and oh, wow. that one was. So I started shooting in Cuba and Nicaragua was uh, 17 years ago, I think, um, and other countries too, whose architecture, you know, they didn't have the, um, they, they used to have sort of around these buildings, the infrastructure to keep them up, but a lot of, they did not have the investment, the money to mm-hmm. keep up on the buildings and government regimes had knocked them down and that, that kind of thing. By knock them down, I mean being able, you know, revenue generating things and private enterprise that could invest in this. But um, you had a question that I didn't answer that I can't remember right now. Um, well, we're just going into what what do you plan it? Do you or do you do it when you see oh. it if you're walking through a district or? No, I plan it. I totally plan it. I plan it in an obsessive way. Like I said, I sit sometimes. Um, like that blue one. That's in the train. That's a train station. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, do you have that blue one? So that one was taken with E6 film. By the way, just to give you the technical background side of it, it, it um, does have to, architectural photography does have to do with the cameras, um, the effects that I want to make, which are, anyway, I use at least a four by five camera. I build my own cameras. I take parts of old cameras, old Soviet era cameras, and put them together and make my own cameras. Um, I usually don't make my my own film, but I use actual film for these, like real film um, that is becoming harder and harder to get. Um, And then I do my own chemical treatment for the most part. That's so much fun. It is a lot of fun. It's pretty dangerous, but um, and I get yeah. crazy. I get crazy. I remember I accidentally was in a dark room for 36 hours, and I thought I had been in there for like 12 hours, maybe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so my friends came to save me. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, whatever it was, I was getting a lot of photography done. I was, I was printing a lot. Um, you in your zone. That's but, cool. Mm-hmm. I was totally in my zone. But um, mm. I plan them in an obsessive way, like over months. Like I will sit in the room day in and day out for even three days all day long, camp out there. Like in Cuba, for example, or in Nicaragua, or I don't know, pick up pick a place. Um, and even in Detroit, I will just sit, pack my food, and obsessively watch the light move. And what's really disappointing, I know that I have wasted my time entirely when I sit there for two, three days, camp out in an abandoned place, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say whether it's legal or not, but, um, you know, just making sure that that gets done against all, against legalities. Um, and then I, I go, this is a crummy shot. This is going to be a crummy shot because by the way, as you know, with film and especially a large format film, you've got one shot. You get to do it yeah. in one shot. You don't have forgiveness. You have to know how to use a light meter and all the old fashioned things. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, wow, but, I remember light meters. Yeah, I mean, now everything's wow. so dig- the digital side. I feel like we're, we're, we're missing it. And, and people that use phones where you're looking through, I mean, you use their phones, you're not seeing it. You're, it's like this weird screen. And no, I, I don't want to talk about it's phone very, photography because it, I'm it's, sorry. It's really not <laughs> like that. It's, it's a weird thing. But I love that you take time, and that's what Nancy's always oh, carrying on. Her, her best friend is a photographer, a videographer, and when they traveled through Africa, she would go to the same spot like ten over times and, over and read the and light and do this yeah, and do that. And, but, and on the tour, Nancy's like, we have to do it that way. And I'm like, we don't have time to do that. And she's but, like, well, we must. But no, but no, she, Yvonne. <laughs> Just like you. <laughs> Yvonne, um, Yvonne Gardner, was, um, she's passed on now, but she was an an amazing wildlife photographer, and um, she we we went to Kenya together, and oh my gosh, you know when you go on a on a tour to Kenya, you say you have two to three weeks, and you're going to see the whole country and go to all the game reserves. No, no, no. You, you go out here down. and you yeah. find an animal, then you come back at the same time the next day, and then you go back again at uh, two hours later and see is that animal there, and so she could get the right lighting. But I'll tell you what, sitting in a car with her in Kenya over and over at the same spot I saw more than we went all than when we went all over the country because you first of all I was like dude this is boring um the animals not here but then there's other animals and you started to really understand the web of nature how it works how it's connected and who would come first and then we could predict and then she can choose the photo the animal in the lighting that she wanted it was amazing to me and she did the same when we went we went to zoos for for animal photography. I'm not saying I'm poor zoos because I'm not, but we did for animal photography to learn the behavior and compare the psychotic behavior of animals in a zoo compared to animals who are free. And there's a big difference. It's difference how they act, difference how they look. So I learned so much from that lady, and it was about going back to the same place, taking time. camping out looking how the changes mm. occurred and why. And there's a story behind every photo, just like your photographs. There's a story. 
do you feel you learned patience from this, Tanya, going and and just taking your time with each image? Yes, um, I do learn patience, but I think a better way to put it is um, not that. You, I mean, I'm not saying you know you, patience could be. I I guess patience is too good a word for what I'm about to say is. Um, the creativity, I think, that comes with pretty much anything is not necessarily patience, but letting everything else stop, pushing it aside. And actually, and this is going to sound kind of my most creative times, including sitting in these buildings, including all of this, is actually can only be compared to getting stuck and having to wait. So I guess it is patience in <laughs> a way, but in another way, it's like there's nothing, you are, you cannot do anything else. You know, I have paid this, this gang in Detroit money to perimeter a building as I sit in it for two days. I've already paid them. If I leave, they're going to be mad because I've already paid, you know, um, you know, it's like when you, Get a flat tire and you're stuck on the side of the road in the old days with no cell phone and there's absolutely nothing you can do. You're in a place that you have absolutely nothing unable to do anything else. And for me, that's when the creativity comes. A lot of people say that's boredom. For me, it's like all of a sudden, boom, I'm instantly like I have all these ideas and because everything I am actually not able to to focus on anything else. It is physically impossible. So You, you boxed um, yourself into your patient. own box camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. You know, what's, what's interesting about this is that when you look at what you're doing now with the National Park uh, Arts Foundation, and you, you're talking about artists and residence programs, and you think about, to me, to me, that sounds like the most blissful place or thing mm. you can do is just be in a place where you're doing your art for a month, a solid month. Like I remember Nick Collier mm-hmm. being on the show, um, mm-hmm. who's in, who, he's left, he's now left Gettysburg, I, I can imagine. Um, he was there for a month. He was in Big Bend for a month, and being out in the area in Big Bend with you know you really don't have all the service things and everything. So you're now in your art, you're in your subject. To me. It's it's kind of this natural progression of what you do and these month-long residence programs because I think it's it's hard for people to get away sometimes because artists have to maybe work on some you know have you know work <laughs> different things sometimes sometimes not depending but to to me to be able to, that focus is I mean uh, that's that is especially in a society now where everything is beep, beep, dot, dot, click, click, clack, clack. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all attached to all these things. You know you what? That, your just, focus is huge. Go ahead. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. I had not even seen it that hard. What, I guess what I am doing, wow, you just blew my mind, Lisa, is I'm, I'm, aban- I'm, making, I'm abandoning people. I'm making them be stuck in the most beautiful places in the world. I'm like, here's your isolation artist. And because my personal, see how I make everybody do my personal experience. Like my personal experience of being stuck 
is the most creative, isolating, wonderful place, the only place Mm -hmm. that I can really create art. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. Lisa, my mind is blown. I'm just sending artists out to be stuck in the middle of the most gorgeous, gorgeous, most wonderful places. I mean, where else could you be? Is space? Stick them out, you know, in national parks. No, I don't want to do that. isolating No, 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 because, okay, speaking of space, this is, okay, okay, I've I've got to bring this up, and and then we've got to run, but one of your photos, and you were talking about dark rooms and everything, and Nancy, when we lived in England, she was touring and uh, educating people on wildlife and, um, go figure, going through the National Park District and everything. Yeah. You know, we've all got this linear thing, or not non-linear, I I would say, but uh, parallel lines of, of things, but... Anyway, um, we were in this complex where the way my bedroom was set up, I was actually connected to the dark room. And, <laughs> and I was a little girl, like eight or nine. It was in mm-hmm. the 80s, and there were punks walking around. It was so cool. That was really and cool. To me, it was like I thought we were back in Africa. Just it was white no people kidding. were being punks, you know, like with earrings <laughs> and stuff. Um, I, I was totally at home with that. Yeah. Uh, just not the weather. But anyway, so we had the dark room thing. Mm. And... I basically slept in dark, and it was trippy after being in Kenya on the equator, and everything's light all the time, right? But this is the thing. Your your photograph of the eyeball collector, which uh, everybody, there's eyes in uh-huh. a sink, okay? So you'll see it in uh, Big Blend Radio and TV magazine in spring. <laughs> These eyes everywhere, and it tripped me out because, I mean, here we were, E.T., the movie E.T. had come out, and she took me to see E.T., and um, I freaked out. Cried. Everybody she loved cried. E.T., and now I love E.T., but everybody, you know, I freaked out. And so every time I went to take a bath, and she had a hard time getting me to take a bath because I kept seeing E.T.'s eyes coming out of the sink. And even when I went, went potty, I'd go, E.T.'s going to come out of the toilet, you know. And don't forget, we also lived in a place where snakes could be in your toilet. They were, you know, yeah. And they were. And I'd, I'd actually lived through some weird things with snakes in the bathroom we won't get into. But, like, snakes on a plane, I've had that kind of experience. Yes, say it. that's but, true. But when I saw that photo, I was like, holy cow, man. <laughs> She's like totally, totally just like Mm-mm. put like every, like every part of my, my life went in there. <laughs> I was like, you put those eyeballs in the sink and oh. now it's like, it's, it's stuck in me now. <laughs> that, I'm so that sorry I did that to you. See, I, 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 I'm making you prisoner. That was no, from cool. um, a series I did of uh, a series called basically Eccentric Collections. And I traveled mm-hmm. around the world, really, taking photographs of eccentric collections over, I don't know, a seven-year period, I guess it was. And when I went to this uh, person who collects glass eyes, who's also an optometrist, oh, uh, when, I, when I went to see his collection, he was, washing, he was watch, washing the glass eyes so that he could show them to me. So that was actually where they were when I came to meet him, and he was hurriedly trying to make his collection look good, and I was like, hey, it looks great in the oh. sink. And, I mean, he had thousands, no. of course, but yeah. Oh, now I just could visualize an entire film on some guy who goes out and gets people and takes their glass eyes out. Oh, stop it. No. <laughs> but you're like, and then, oh, 
And you've got the butterfly and collector thing down. And it could be down. called the eye collector. Yeah, the eye collector. Well, it's hers Ooh, is eyeball really, collector. Yeah, well, and he just goes and he finds people that eyeball. have glass eyes, and he it takes the chloroforms and takes them out at night, and then and puts them in a display case like boxing. <laughs> you guys. You're a freak, Nancy. You're a freak. Okay, okay, well, last question. By the way, to back up just a tad, um, the um, I was – in part, I, I went to England myself. So you telling the stories about being in London when you were a kid. Mm. When I was 15, I went to London to study theater. And mm. um, cool. I was there for a while. I went back and joined the Royal Photographic Society. And then mm-hmm. I taught at the Royal Photographic Society when it was in Bath, when it was only in Bath. And I mm. was the youngest teacher. And, again, this was a million years ago. So i got to catch up with those guys. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> There's a lot. And everyone, I can't wait for people to read your, ten, um, your answers to our 10 questions in, in the magazine because they're going to have this. This is a trip. It's fun. And, and your career is incredible. I mean, it's, it's an honor to have you on the show talking about it because you're always talking about everybody else's art. And it's nice to talk about your art, you know, because it's, it's incredible. Oh, the answer to what other career you'd swap your career oh, for, we, no, we're not going to give it away because people are going to Don't tell have, anybody, we're not, but why? But <laughs> it's another Seriously, we need to meet and have a chat about no, that because, one. Because, so wait a minute, really? I want to bring this full circle because that's another kind of collector. So, I mean, you're a collector of life, being a photographer in a way, so do you consider yourself a collector? Yes. Most definitely. Are you a hoarder? <laughs> no, I'm not a hoarder. There's a difference. I'm not a hoarder, but I'm a collector Fine of line. things. Things. Uh, it just so happens that photography and my materialist part of me, uh, photography is a really easy way to arrange that collection. I collect great stories. Mm, I would say to the it's, people like the the French film La Collection, which is a really good yeah. film, by the way. But um, uh, I think or the Collector, I can't remember what it's called. But uh, yeah, I'm a collector. I'm a collector. That's it. Not mm. a hoarder, though. I at any moment can get rid of anything I'm collecting entirely. So, see, now that's a talent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're we're That's we're with you on that too. Because then you get to start over again and how much fun is that? Simplicity. Yeah. It's key. Because then you get a whole new perspective. Yeah. It's awesome. Very cool. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. Um everybody, National Parks Arts Foundation dot org. Uh, again, there's a deadline now, so all artists, musicians, writers, poets, painters, photographers, cinematographers, Veterans. dark sky artists, you name it. Go there right now, right? Exactly. And also military veterans who are artists. We have the first programs across the United States in the national parks for you. So you need to apply. That's right. That's awesome. It's awesome. Very, very awesome. It was so much it was so cool to have Nick Collier on the show with that too. You know, talking about his art and seeing all the things that happen with it. So it's not only you're in a residency um in a park, but in a park setting, you have that moment, you know, that month off just creating, but there's all this publicity that comes afterwards. There's people that connect with your art. Your, you know, there's so much that happens during and after that it's, it's an experience that um, continues for the rest of your life. You know that as, you know, being in a lot of residences, including Chaco Canyon, 
Haad, you were an re- artist in residence there, so it's something that sticks with you for the rest of your life as an artist, right, doing these kinds of programs. Absolutely true. Uh, I was the artist mm-hmm. in residence there for years, and uh, it, it was wonderful. And they get a little bit of special treatment since uh, Chaco has my heart and let me do that years ago. So, yes. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Tanya. Always a pleasure. Tanya will be back on our show March 8th on Wednesday, uh, really, to talk on our special Toast to Women's show because it's International Women's History Month and um, or International Women's Day. It's Women's Month, you know, because we rock. And so we're going to be talking about women and raising our glass to different women and all kinds of good stuff. So Stay tuned for that. But everybody, again, uh, we're going to be featuring Tanya in the spring issue of Big Blend Radio and TV magazine. You can go to blendradioandtv.com. And for the National Parks Arts Foundation, nationalparksartsfoundation.org. Thanks so much, Tanya. Thanks, you guys. It's a pleasure. I really appreciate what you're doing. Have a great day. Back at you, you lady. Take care and watch you out for those care. eyeballs. Okay. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Bye now. I would have put them in my cocktail. But anyway. That's it. Highballs with eyeballs. I know. I like it. <laughs> eyeballs with eyeballs. That's genius. I know. That's so funny. No, now all I'm right. all tripped out. My brain is tripped out. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us here on Big Blend Radio's first Friday Toast of the Arts and Park show with the National Parks Arts Foundation. Learn more about their amazing park artist residency programs. Go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org. Keep up with our shows at bigblendradio.com.